like who is my being self mm. instead of my doing self is I think the most profound question I've ever so been good. given because for me in my unlearning and unraveling it has been remembering my inherent goodness and worth and value and identity mm. and love even those things that I probably spoke about before for a long time before I actually believed it when other things were just ripped away and yeah. Um, I realized I didn't actually believe that. I didn't believe that I was inherently worthy and good if I had nothing to offer this world. Hey everyone, I'm Kara. And I'm Caleb. And welcome to the Kara and Caleb Show. When it comes to life, we believe it is so important to ask the right questions, but also to learn how to live in the tension and the uncertainty of those questions. Yes, when we learn to live in the tension of unanswered questions, we become more resilient, more radiant, and more human. On this podcast, we explore the questions that have shaped and defined the lives of our guests. And then we dive deep into the beauty and the transformational process that occurs as we wait for answers that may or may not come as we expected. So join us as we explore what's possible when we are able to rest in the tension and live the questions of our lives right now. I've got the heart of a everybody welcome to another episode of our podcast i'm kara and i'm caleb and we are so glad that you are here we can imagine that at some point in time you've probably felt frustrated and stuck in life like let's get real we've all been there and maybe you're even there now and it's here on this podcast we don't believe that you're stuck as much as you just haven't asked the right question and it's through asking the right questions that will guide you towards the answers that move you forward in life. Mm. So we're so excited that you decided to join us as we explore another question that has shaped and defined the life of our guest. Yeah, y'all, I am so excited to share today's episode with you. Our guest today is a dear friend and such a gift to humanity. <laughs> I swear, if you have not met Ruthie Lindsay, she is like a light. She's just a burning flame of joy. She oozes it. You get around her and you can't help but feel it. And the best part about her joy, in my opinion, is that it has not come without a massive cost. That's so good. Yeah. If you're going through a hard time or if you're in the process of trying to understand your pain, believe me when I tell you this episode is for you. Yeah. Many of you have probably heard Ruthie's story. And if you haven't, you've got to. Her new book, There I Am, The Journey from Hopelessness to Healing, releases on April 22nd. And it is packed full of stories from Ruthie about her healing journey, trauma, and really how to find purpose in your pain. That's so good. And yeah, today on the podcast, we, we do. We get to dive a little bit into her story. But more than that, we get to hear from her about this life-defining question. And her question was, who is my being self versus who is my doing self? Mm -hmm. It's so good. So many of us are caught up in our doing selves and we have allowed that to completely shape our identity. But today on the podcast, we break down with Ruthie what it looks like to find value, complete value in who we are just as we are. That's so good. And if you don't know, Ruthie is a speaker, author, podcast host, and a social media figure. She travels the globe sharing her story, empowering others to find purpose in their pain and to look for beauty in the midst of their sacred wounds. This episode is gold and is so incredibly timely. Mm -hmm. I think more than ever, so many of us are being challenged to look at our stories, to evaluate and to, and to ask how we can live a life of empowering others even in the midst of our struggles. Absolutely. And you guys, we're super excited because today we get to give away a copy of Ruthie's new book. Yes, you heard it. You can win her book 
called There I Am, The Journey from Hopelessness to Healing. And all you have to do to win it is screenshot this episode and share it socially in some way. This conversation is so encouraging and life-giving that I have no doubt that your community will want to hear it anyway. So just screenshot uh, the episode and share it and make sure you tag Caleb or me. Um, Our Instagram handles are below um, and that way we can see it and enter you into the drawing. And then we'll announce the winner on April 27th, which is next Monday. Yes. And as always, friends, we hope that this podcast blesses you as much as it does us. And here's what we get to say. This fall was such a dumpster fire of hell. Like mm. I had, you know, I had um, lived in my bed for seven years, had a nervous breakdown seven years ago when I changed my life. And at the seven year anniversary wow. to the date, I stopped sleeping again wow. to the date. Mm. Like our, the body keeps the, the score. Yeah. And I had been on this crazy, massive healing journey. And yeah. I had all this idea of like who I was supposed to be. And I couldn't work. I couldn't show up as a friend. I couldn't mm. show up as a sister, a partner, a, I mean, I definitely couldn't show up for the community that I've created mm. online. And I felt so much shame. Wow. Mm. And it just showed me like I am putting so much identity in this external stuff that mm. like if I never did another another job, if I never, you know, was able to do the work that I feel like I came to do, if I was mm. never able to show up in the ways I thought I would, I would still be valuable and worthy because mm. I'm alive. So I think my question to myself is who is like, who is my worth? Who is the I am outside yeah. of anything outside of that and that's the question I have to constantly come home to I mean every day that's what my meditations are around like coming home to like embodiment and um my like inherent goodness Mm. and I mean when I was a little girl if I saw the clock it said like 12 34 I go make me be good make me love Jesus make me be good make me love Jesus because something in me didn't believe that I was yeah or that I was already so good and that I was already <laughs> like mm. inherently, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of unraveling, unlearning mm. t- for my becoming. <laughs> yeah. We talk a lot about together. We talk a lot about this idea of being taught, especially growing up in a evangelical culture of looking outside of yourself yes. for truth instead yes. of what's already inside of you. Yes. And I think that can sound terrifying to people because I feel like they feel this fear of like, if I just look inward, then, then I'm, I'm going to miss it or I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself. Yeah. 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 But I think it's, it's such a good distinction to make that, that truth is not outside of us. And it's actually really destructive to look externally for these things to define you or to, to shape what you believe about yourself when it's all actually, it's, it's been there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Was there a correlation between growing up, like looking at that six-year-old Ruthie, mm-hmm. um, with the unlearning that you had to do? Was a correlation growing up evangelical and unlearning that the self is bad um, or die to self? Right? There's so much language in the evangelical Christian world where it's like, oh my God, no wonder I don't feel at home in my body because I've demonized yeah. self for so long. Or the yeah. body is bad. The flesh and then, is sinful. Like, I know, absolutely. <laughs> I know for me, like the shame that's been the driving force around my life uh, for the majority of my life all came back to the shame that I carried around my sexuality mm-hmm. that I was actually taught inside of 
Christian culture. Yeah. At like age five. <laughs> See, like so tiny. It's insane. I didn't actually grow up in a home around okay. that. So it wasn't mm-hmm. until gotcha. I was like 18 that I got involved in a church. But I grew up in a home like my mom was a child of alcoholics mm-hmm. and very much, you know, it's like look pretty and shiny on the outside and right. inside could be yeah. just hell who knows but um and it was just absolutely stunningly beautiful and I'm the only girl so there was a lot of emphasis on showing up and being pretty and smiling Mm. and how you appear and how you look and my dad was you know the principal in the school and so everyone was looking to us so like we kind of had this thing put on us to like show up a certain way Mm. like Mm. I wasn't in my home I wasn't allowed to show anger or rage or process Mm. emotions you know they weren't doing that work either so Mm -hmm. of course um but it was very much like be a sweet good girl and smile and be pretty you know that was like a massive shove it down suck it up yeah and a lot of worth put on body image and Mm. how you look and um how you appear and so you know when trauma and things happen lovingly we Mm. disassociate and then I become a part of a church that talks about like the flesh is sinful Mm. and I'm this broken (laughs) depraved wretch you know so so much of that has been remembering the truth Mm. and kind of I love what you said like nothing outside of us Mm. can fix us and change us and Mm -hmm. make us better or Mm -hmm. you know it's always inside and I constantly look to things outside mm-hmm. of me I mean I have my whole like I wanted my family to fix me and make me better I wanted my partner to take my pain away and make everything better mm-hmm. I wanted doctors like fix me make it better and I wasn't able at the time or willing or didn't think I was capable of actually going inside because for me my pain was so great mm-hmm. and at the time I thought it was all physical but it was very much mm-hmm. emotional yeah. also mm-hmm. I thought that would kill me yeah. Like the idea of meditation, like that will kill me. Well, I remember when I first started trying to do, I would just bawl my eyes out. Like I'm if like, you go into it, there's no getting out. I just thought that it would consume me. It would bury yeah. me. And it would bury me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And it's the exact opposite. It's like facing it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is painful. <laughs> it's really, really freaking hard, but it's also the only way through. And it doesn't go away. Those painful things, we just push them down. Like they say yeah. it on site when our responses are hysterical it's always historical historical. like Mm -hmm. we're carrying around this pain that's driving us almost like you know I love the idea of or the thought that I've heard about when trauma gets stuck in our limbic system it's driving us almost like the Wizard of Oz behind Mm -hmm. the curtain and we don't even know yeah we don't know we have no idea this driving force that we're seeing all of our lens that we're seeing life and relationships and people through is through these traumas that happen that get stuck like the limbic system has no concept of time Mm. it has our emotional brain doesn't know and Mm -hmm. so what's crazy about that is when we're triggered and we act hysterical we don't know that that thing is from you know something Mm -hmm. 30 years ago it's not happening right now but what's also so cool about that is because the emotional brain doesn't know time we can go in and heal that as though it's right now our past is now Wow. Like how freaking, like we, I do so much work, like in my office and on the cover of my phone, it's a photo of me at like one because of a lot of preverbal trauma things that happen. And I go in and I love on that little part of me (laughs) and like attune to her and attach to her. And I imagine myself looking into her eyes and do like such, I listen every night to a book on tape because I, you know, I need to be read to like a little girl. And there's things that I do that are healing 
that trauma mm. now yeah. because our past is now. Yeah. So good. It's so good. I just started um, a 40 day inner child meditation mm. and it's fascinating how, when you just create a safe space for yeah. little girl, Kara to show yes. up the things that she will tell you. Ugh. I'm like, this is insane. What is allowed to come and yes. like the things I'm allowed to have a conversation about now yes. with her just because I'm giving her the space. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. That's I so know. much of your work. Yeah. Two things. There was, it was a quote. I, I, I should know who said this. Uh, but until you do the work to bring the unconscious into your conscious, um, you're going to remain stuck and call it fate. Mm. And it's yeah. the idea of like yes. that trauma being stored and then just, yeah. oh, this is so, no. Yeah. Like there's actually something that's the driving force behind your life. And yes. it happened when you're a little boy, a little girl. Totally. I remember like inner child healing has played s- such an immense role on me seeing freedom mm. um, and experiencing freedom and freedom and being present in my body. Mm. Uh, I, I honestly remember the first time and I've always used the language, which is so like, um, so easy to do in today's culture sure. like i know yeah. all the language i can Same. talk to you about establishing a new homeostasis in my central nervous system through biohacking and yeah. all this stuff and i've always had the language around self-compassion and um, self-love and so on and so forth but i remember when i moved out to la things were going well but i got into a situation where i had this just a massive panic attack and i haven't had a panic attack in over a decade and this is the worst one i, I thought i was literally dying on the side of the road in santa monica and i'm like <laughs> oh my god what's happening um and a strange occurrence of events happened where i eventually found my first breathwork class in venice and i just walk into the class and as soon as i walk in i feel the presence of god and i'm just like oh my gosh and i just start weeping because i have so much just stored energy that's just looking for a way out and I remember I started breathing, and long story short, I just, just the wave of just release that I felt. But we went into this guided meditation, and I remember my breathwork facilitator, Rob, he said, I want you to just go back and think of your early childish memory that you're fond of, that, a good memory. And I didn't have like a horrific childhood, but, sure. I, mean, but I, I couldn't think of a memory. Mm. And I just remember like having this like Rolodex of just memory after memory after memory of just like not good experiences. And I could not for the life of me think of a good memory. And I remember just being like, oh my God, don't panic, don't panic. You just had an amazing experience. Don't panic, don't panic. And then all of a sudden there was just like this release where I felt for the first time in my life, it was like the legitimate, like that wasn't drug induced uh, out of body experience Mm. um, just from breath work. And it was just this adult 34 year old Caleb looking at my six year old self and for the first time, genuinely saying, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. And the self-compassion that washed over me in that moment and mm-hmm. what that did for me, I feel like in terms of really getting to the root of a lot of trauma that I had been storing in my body that was still the driving force behind my life, yeah. revolutionized my understanding of what self-compassion truly feels like. And what. Yeah. And I'm like, I love that you're using the language self-compassion for people. I'm like, I pray to God you actually know what that feels like yeah. because you deserve yeah, to yeah. know the depths and the breath and just the the true um, revolutionary act of what self-compassion actually feels like in your life. Yeah. yeah. And I think that idea of self-compassion too is such a practice. Oh, it is such a practice. It's just a oh continual God. everyday, yes. like, oh, I fucked up. It's yeah. okay. Like yes. responding to yourself yes. again, like you're so young and you're a child and, yes. and really being so tender like owning it yeah True. owning but it also the tenderness that tenderness yeah. mm-hmm. and like that radical acceptance yeah. is such a i love that you use that word yeah mm-hmm. it's so, great. so huge and i i mean 
now, I think for a really long time too, but when you start going in, it's easy to kind of jump into like a victim mode too. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe this happened to me. Like, how dare? And it's important to feel the Mm -hmm. mournful. It's important to feel the pain. It's important. And to have close people walking with you, counselors, your soul family members to mourn with you. Mm -hmm. But what's so important also is like, I think the perspective shift that comes through doing really intensive, radical, accepting, mm-hmm. um, emotional work is now I changed the narrative where I was like parked on the lane of being like very much a victim for a very long time and feeling very sorry for myself, for mm-hmm. my pain and for the loss and, you know, a lot of things. And now I'm like, wow, I can truly look back on all the things that happened and see it all as these like beautiful invitations to actually come home to myself and do the most intense healing that I probably would have never done that my soul was longing for when I came on this planet in this (laughs) earth suit um, to earth school. (laughs) And I feel like, you know, it's made me who I am. Mm. It's made me so much more wholehearted, so much more compassionate, so much more empathetic and tender and, in ways that if I hadn't gone through those things, I wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to feel those things. And I wouldn't be able to show up. And my hope is to, uh, like, honestly, I just, I want to be a mirror mm-hmm. of the healing and the hope and the joy and the beauty that is inside of all of us. Because it's yeah. not mine. It's not just yours. It's not just your. It's for yeah, it's all collective. of us. Yeah. It's a collective mm-hmm. human <laughs> like inherent yeah. thing that yeah. we all have. I can't fix anyone. And if I try to, that's a disservice to that person. Absolutely. And they don't actually try to heal themselves. Like I say at the end of the book, I'm like, when you finish this and you, you know, close the last page and turn off your light or get off your stop, like, please forget my name. Yeah. <laughs> like, please forget this story. Cause you don't need me. I'm yeah. going to like moonwalk the fuck out of here yeah. so you can like go and do your journey. Yeah. Like, like my story is here my, to illuminate yes, yours. Like yeah. to totally. be a flashlight of the mm-hmm. like healing that is all of ours. Mm-hmm. And I need to remind my, my ego needs reminding of mm-hmm. that. My, you know, like I, and when people read it, like they're going to experience it through their lens and their mm. traumas yeah. and their pain. And if they love it, that's really none of my business. Yeah. Isn't it? Cr- yeah. And if they hate it, it's, it's none okay of my too. Business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't it crazy that you released a book at this time in life with this understanding yeah. versus like when you still had such an identity wrapped up? Yeah. And if you would have released a book then, like oh, it's just, yeah. it wouldn't have been the same story. It wouldn't yeah. have carried the same energy, I think, in yeah. the words and through those pages. I think that's crazy. Yeah. How it works out like, oh, yeah, it's right that the book is coming now. At yeah. this moment. Because otherwise, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, you could have actually said that because you right. still would have drawn worth or identity from. Well, doing the, writing the book took me on the craziest yeah. roller coaster journey and how I first, I mean, we, the proposal we gave was for a book called Salvaged, Building a Beautiful Life with Broken Parts. Wow. I thought I was broken. Wow. That's what I that's what Simon and Schuster bought, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I very much found so much identity in that pain story wow, of being broken. Cool. And it took me on the craziest. I mean, you literally have to go in and essentially re-traumatize yeah. yourself. Yeah. And it took me on the most painful ride and the most important ride because it made me do healing work that I would not have gone to that it. level because mm-hmm. you have to live in it for yeah. that long. And that's why, like, if we don't own our stories, they own us. 
Mm. It drives. Yeah. You know, it's the subconscious driving. And it just, it illuminated so, so much, much more work that I needed to do and so many false limiting stories that mm. I've believed with every part of me to be truth, mm. utter truth. Yeah. I um, want to talk about the book. But before we go there, you said something at the very beginning of us uh, talking. And I love that you used the language self, radical self, radical acceptance, like, like that's my keynote <laughs> radical <laughs> acceptance um but i found in my own life going from victim through the doorway into radical acceptance um came through allowing myself to grieve mm -hmm. and mourn yes and i think a lot of times we hear grieving and mourning and we automatically think well who have i lost mm. um or who died but i know in my life i had to grieve a life that never was going to happen again or a life that I've been fighting for and dreaming about for so long. I had to grieve this idea of who I was thought I was supposed to be in this world. And grieving that was the, the work and so much of the transformation that I experienced so that I could actually accept the here and now mm -hmm. and live finally in the present. Yes. And in the present, I'm like, oh my God, this is what I've been looking for my entire life. Mm -hmm. It's in the present because mm -hmm. it's me. I, I've been looking for me this entire yeah. time and I finally accept it. Um, and you had said grieving and mourning this idea of this person who you thought you should be. Mm -hmm. Can you take me back to maybe the process if you can? I know that's a big question. Of what that's looked uh, like like for grieving me. like this life because I find so yeah. many people are stuck. You're not stuck. You just need to grieve a life that's not going to happen and you still yeah. haven't let go of it yet. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of processes, but I think for me, outside of like counseling and things, the thing that has been one of the largest tools for me because learning about the mind-body connection and how mm. our bodies hold on to trauma, the body keeps a score, um, and somatic therapy like Pierre yeah. Levine's, I, and living as a disembodied, disembodied, disassociated human most of my life up to this point, I was taught this practice from a woman named um, Nicole Sachs. It's called Journal Speak, mm. and it sounds so basic, like there's no way this could actually help. But um, you start with making three lists. One is childhood, one is present day, and one is like personality, basically the masks we've worn to feel okay. And then I'm giving a very brief overview, but every morning or every day you spend 20 minutes um, looking at, you can look over the list. I don't really look at it anymore, but like kind of look at what you need to focus on that day. Yeah. In childhood, it's anything that comes up. Like you, people might think, oh, only big T traumas. Like when I was in a wreck, anything that comes up like for yeah. me it'd be like this experience with this friend on the playground mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I felt upset then mm -hmm. but I wasn't allowed or shown how to process it so yep. I just stuffed it down yeah or when I was called on to read in third grade and I couldn't read mm -hmm. or you know these things that I felt shame about that I felt fear about or I felt embarrassed about when I when Blake broke up with me in fourth grade like mm. bullshit stuff that you would think that doesn't matter my body cares and remembers absolutely and so and literally for present day, it's anything. It could be like, I want to punt that freaking electrician that said he'd be here and didn't come. You know, like anything that causes frustration or anger, if you're not processing it, it's being swallowed into your body. Yeah. And so for 20 minutes, I close my eyes. I get on my computer. I'm probably on the wrong keys. It doesn't matter. And I just let myself go. I screamed this morning so mm. loud about some things that happened this past year being so sad and being so hurt and being so disappointed, mm. like really, really disappointed. And literally the second that 
bell goes off after 20 minutes, you select it all and you delete it. Mm. And then you do a deep, like loving meditation on whoever it is you lost your mind on. Cause you're, it has, it isn't actually true. They're not monsters. It's just, that's what your body believed at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. They are a child of the universe and yeah. worthy and valuable, but you know, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. I have hurt a lot of people out of that place. And so then you do this just really loving meditation. Mm. Um, and that practice has been such an important process for me to mourn things that I so dismissed as not mattering or, you know, very little or get over it or, you know, mm. and it's been really, really, really important and a huge source for me of pain relief mm. um, because I had no concept. I mean, I'm the only human in the world that's had a wire in their brainstem and my neck that's looks crazy. more like a freaking toaster oven than it does a spinal cord. Mm. But if I can get pain relief, you know, and so I lived in that limiting story, I'm going to hurt for the rest of my life yeah. and it's going to be worse every year like it has for 15 years. And I believed that with every part of me and just accepting where I am right now, but also knowing and trusting and believing that like, no, healing is possible mm. for me and for every, like we are created to heal. Our brains were created yeah. for homeostasis. We're always looking for balance and healing. And so and the body's always protecting itself. Totally. Mm. And it was like loving me. Yeah. That process, though, has been one of the most important ways that I've learned to, like, go in and more. I mean, there's times I scream. There's yeah. times I mm. weep. There's times I'm, like, laughing out loud at myself. But, like, feeling the emotion that I needed to feel that I wasn't allowed to or mm. wasn't shown how to yeah. or wasn't given the space to has been one of the most important tools for me. And I don't do it all the time. Like, I had not done it in a while. I've been traveling a lot and doing it this morning. Like, I found myself literally screaming. I'm like, my neighbors have... <laughs> I have lost. I am screaming the fuck word. I am just letting myself go. And I, you know, that little Ruthie mm. needs to show anger. Like yeah. that was not cute or pretty. Because it's okay. It yeah. is healthy. It's healthy. Yeah. It's yeah. healthy to process emotions. Yeah. We need to process. And our brain, again, like that limbic brain, yeah. like I am healing my past right now. I can go in and mm -hmm. create this beautiful... I mean, I had an amazing childhood in so many ways. And then there was also really painful things like every human's experience. Yeah. yeah, I can go in and heal and create the most beautiful childhood that you could ever imagine right now. Yeah, that's so good. I, I similarly, I, I was not given permission to feel most things. Yeah, And it's interesting. I grew up in a home where my mom would say, don't feel sad. Don't feel angry. Don't feel upset. And, and, and her own story I mean she has a thousand reasons why she did that and, and most of it was probably protection because she just didn't want me to be sad or she didn't want me to be angry um but it's really interesting I was looking at the cover of your book before we started talking and I was like there's all my emotions right there and I feel like what it is is a picture of the full spectrum of, of feeling everything and I think that's something so incredible about your journey and your story is that you have you've done this amazing practice of giving yourself permission to feel all of those things. Yeah. And as a seven, that's like so not normal for us to be able to go in and feel pain. And I think just watching you over the past five years, I'm like, you have really, it feels like you've taken a dive into deep water. Mm. And that is so cool to watch. Thank you, sister. Yeah. That's so, that means so much coming from you. <laughs> Thank you. It's Thank you true. for seeing me and loving me even when I, didn't know how to show up as a wholehearted mm. friend, you know, mm. 
But I think I've never seen you as less than wholehearted, oh. which is really, even as you talk about like the brokenness, I'm like, I see you so whole, which mm. is really cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what you said about the cover of the book, you know, intentionally, like, I think what, if people like have an image of me of what they see on Instagram, I'm like, you know, big eyes or, you know, smiling eyes and a big ass smile. And that's also like, I remember thinking when I was in probably second or third grade, like if you smile really big, people will like you and people will love you. I remember like I had the emotional intelligence to know that. Yeah. And I wanted to be liked more than anything Mm. on planet earth because that was the driving force of my home. That was the most important thing. Um, And so, and that's where I found approval was outside of me. Mm. And so I love that. um, Yeah. The cover, like you can't see my eyes because I also wanted it to be like a universal. I love that you saw it and saw yourself because Mm. with not having our eyes, like our eyes are the windows into our souls. And so, you know, I recognize someone by their eyes. I wanted someone to be able to look at it and be a mirror to themselves Um, and not be like, oh, that's Ruthie. You know, so I love that you saw that. That's so cool. I really did. It's really beautiful. Talk to me about you said so much came up. Mm -hmm. What did you feel like was the biggest thing that you might have worked through as writing this book? I mean, some that I was saying, just like realizing how much my worth and identity was in this story. Mm. (laughs) Um, I think, honestly, though, the biggest thing was realizing that I am not broken. broken. Yeah. Um. That is something I have to remind myself of. Like, my shame story is deep and thick and wide. And it's a constant reminder and practice, like you said, for me to remember. Like, I, um, someone recently, my friend Hillary McBride, told me that our bodies don't know the difference in our hands and someone else's. So I do these little sweet meditations because I, my whole thing, like every morning when I was a little girl, my mom would get me out of bed and bring me to my dad's bed and their bed. And I would just snuggle with them. I just want to be held. Mm -hmm. I want to be held. Mm -hmm. And when you're a single woman, like last summer when I stopped sleeping, all I longed for was someone to hold hold me and tell me I was going to be okay. Yeah. And so now, um, which I would have never done before going through this journey with this book, I do these precious meditations where I will go through and like touch my face so tenderly Mm. and just look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, sweet girl, Mm. you're so precious. You're so good. You're so worthy. Like I did it this morning. I'm like holding myself and holding my heart. Like your heart is so good. Mm. You are so valuable or like, you know, I've been really angry at times. I would say my body hated me. That was like my favorite thing to say is I thought it hated me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this beautiful body that's been holding my soul all this time was just calling me Mm. home to myself. And so I will like apologize to her and I call her a her, not an it. And I'll just say, thank you so much, sweet neck. You're so brave and you're so strong and you're so resilient. Thank you for being with me through all of this. And like, I will go through my body parts and Mm. I'll thank them and I'll rub my legs and I'll rub my thighs where I have cellulite that I've said such ugly, ugly things. I'm like, oh, you beautiful leg. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You You're so Mm. brave and so strong. Like makes me want to cry right now because it's so anti, um, it's not the messages that we're getting and it's not the message I was getting. Um, but it's the most 
loving thing that we're so deserving of mm. to remember. It's mm. the remembering. Like the that's remembering. what that sign on my thing says right there. It's like, mm. I remember me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I think the book brought me in a journey of remembering and um, the most painful unraveling <laughs> ever. Mm. Um, but even when I stopped sleeping the summer, it took me on another layer, another deep, 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 deep level of healing mm-hmm. where I realized, I think for the longest time I've done so much trauma work, I thought my pain started with my wreck. Wow. And realizing I found out some like early childhood stuff mm-hmm. that I wasn't aware of, that mm-hmm. I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was stuff that like was driving. Mm-hmm. Like I had been on some sort of sleep something, like started taking Benadryl when I was probably in college wow and now I didn't have pain yet then and I think I didn't want to be awake Mm. and so my sleep you know I now it's the first time since then that I'm like sleeping like my circadian rhythm has come Mm. back and just things that needed to happen for my own healing and my own journey learning about early childhood stuff that now I get to go in and do this stuff for this little girl Mm. that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gone in so deep writing this Mm. book and I'm so grateful I would not change one thing and you know this is going to get real woo woo for a second (laughs) and listen I am also in this state of mind where I'm like who the fuck knows about anything (laughs) and I feel great about that love it but there's this school of thought um there's a book I read called Journey of Souls, which I was told by three different people, two being strangers, to oh. read this book. And they say when things start coming in yeah, three. Yeah. And it's all about um, people in that were being hypnotized for like pain or whatever. These hypnotists realized that people started tapping into past lives. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get real weird here for a minute. <laughs> Go there. Listen, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But... Their whole thing um, is they like talk about the life between lives and they talk about how, you know, old soul, young soul, they've just been here more times to earth school and old mm. soul's just been here many more times. Like I'll meet a child and I'm like, you're <laughs> ancient yeah. and teach me <laughs> yes. everything. How many times have you gone around? <laughs> I mean, truly. Yeah. And they, everyone in the state of hypnotism says the exact same thing about the life between lives. Mm. People from China, people from Africa people I mean literally it's the craziest thing ever but one of the things they talk about is that we choose our parents and we choose these lives that we need for our soul's expansion yeah Yeah. and again who the fuck knows and I'm so okay with that not Mm. being the truth but something about that was like so loving to me I'm like wow I chose all of this and I trusted my sweet little soul enough to do such amazing work and how brave how brave that like and we have free will so everyone doesn't choose Mm -hmm. it you get to come back and do it again but like I don't know something about that felt so loving and so precious like it was intentional I chose this amazing mom for a reason Mm -hmm. who had her own stuff and her own traumas and I chose this daddy for a reason and you do all these lives with soul family members like the day I met Jed I literally looked at him and go there you are. Mm. I didn't know I'd missed you my whole life. Yeah. Cause yeah. I've done a bazillion lives totally. with them. You know? yeah. Sometimes they're like partners. Sometimes they're yeah. moms. Sometimes they're a godmother. They yeah. might be an old neighbor next door. And yeah. it's these people that are helping you in your becoming. And again, who knows? Who knows? But that whole idea of like, 
I wouldn't change anything because I chose yeah. this. Yeah. I saw it before I came. And what a beautiful, beautiful idea. It's like this is what my soul needed to grow and expand and to become a more wholehearted <laughs> version yeah. Yeah. of me. Well, and there's such an ownership of it too. Because yeah. then you're like, I did that. Yeah. But it's it's a beautiful ownership yes. of like, I chose this and I yeah, who knows if it's true? Yeah, who knows? But we feel it. We and, do feel it. And I think it's so hard for people to accept because there's no arrival. Right. Like yeah. it re- completely yeah. removes the, if I just get here, my yep. whole, I'm yeah. going to get there. It's like, oh no. Like yep. that's just all, I mean, it's great, but there's no arrival. Yeah. Right. You know? I believed that for a yeah. minute too. Mm-hmm. Like I really oh. did. And then, you know, and then I stopped sleeping mm-hmm. again. And they're like, yeah. hello, I've done all this work. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, such a disservice to our spirits too, to not remember that it's all a journey. journey yeah. Yeah. And until we're not breathing and there's no more air in our lungs and our heart has stopped, like we're here to learn and be students. And te- we're all students yeah. and teachers. And I never want to stop being curious and asking the Amen. questions yeah. and, you know, feeling looking like an idiot and being okay mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. because I don't know, you know, yeah. there's, I, again, the more I'm learning, the more I realize I don't have a freaking clue right. about anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I just, I think there's a wisdom. Which in means that you're actually mystery. learning. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. The, like, yeah. that's wisdom. Amen. Yeah. That and is it wisdom. is expansion too. Cause it totally. is almost as like your brain is just like opening up. If you yeah. just believe that there's more to learn. Yeah. I it's love. Like you, go ahead. Sorry, babe. No, go ahead. No, it's just the understanding of like, especially if you believe in God or the, it's infinite. It's yes. like, we can never exhaust the love of God. And like, it's the, it's the scripture of like, when I behold the beauty of God, that I'm all the while being transformed from the inside out. And all the while becoming to look more like God. And it's this idea of like, I can never exhaust what I'm looking at when it comes from God. It's just this infinite capability, infinite expansion. There's no arrival. There's just this continuous pattern of beholding a new beauty, beholding a new new beauty and all the while being transformed and living a greater level of consciousness here on earth. And that is, I really feel like the kingdom of God. Mm. That is advancing the heavens here on earth. It's just now expanding my consciousness, seeing things that I once was able to see and moving forward and doing it all over again. Totally. And I love what Eckhart Tolle talks about. Mm-hmm. Like everyone walking around is, has God inside of them. So yeah. we're all, yeah. that sound like where I grew up, that would not. That right. Would, yeah. <laughs> where I grew up, not okay. Not okay. But like when I look at someone, I'm like, oh, and I see totally. that not in who they can become, but who they yeah. are right now. Yeah. Well, it's so elementary Christian of like you're created in the image of God. Like right. you you embody God. You just, but God forbid if we actually if we trust actually, God yeah. in, within us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying for people. I, um, I am obsessed with numbers. I love that you mentioned threes things in threes always happen in my life. Also, I feel like the seven year thing is really fascinating yes. because in, in all of history, seven years is like the, the turnaround of like mm-hmm. farming. In even. the week. Yeah. In the week. Year Everything of Jubilee. Is, yeah. The year of Jubilee. You burn the ground down. So I think it's really interesting that your life was going yeah. a certain trajectory and then it did feel like this, mm-hmm. this er- eruption or, yep. or burning of sorts. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that looked like in the process of writing the book? Well, it's wild because I had just finished. Okay, you were done. I was done. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Man, it was so intense. And again, like what I was saying earlier, the amount of shame Mm -hmm. that I felt um, because I didn't think I could ever be back there, Mm. Um, which, 
now I have such a whole different perspective about that whole thing. Like one of my mantras has been, this is not happening to me. This is happening mm-hmm. for, for me. me. This is for me. This is for me. And I think it was exactly like, even the idea of like, I love what you said about the fire thing. Mm. Like think about when Malibu burned. Yeah. The super blooms that came mm, yeah. last year, does that mean yeah. it wasn't so devastating and painful? Of course. But like even seeing in LA last year, these five, these plants that came up that could not, could not have grown, grown. Mm-hmm. And they're the most gorgeous things I've ever, that they need fire. They need devastation yeah. to bloom. Yeah. Like that imagery for me feels so important. Mm. Um, stuff burning away that doesn't serve, that isn't of service, especially before this book comes out. And before, you know, I'm put in, um, who knows, it could be on the, such a tiny level. And if that's what it is, that's perfect. Mm. But on a way that I haven't yet been, I'll be in front of, um, more people that was important for that to happen. Yeah. For me to be like, Oh no, healing is not a destination. Yeah. I will never arrive. I will forever be learning. I mean, I felt like such a fraud when I'm like the journey from hopelessness to healing. Cause I'm like <gasps> to hopelessness <laughs> and then to healing and, and to, back like, again. It's like dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And it's like, that's yeah. the journey, you know, like we're never, we're gonna have pain and we're gonna mm. have loss and we're gonna have tragedy. Like yeah. I just, it was a perspective shift that, um, really showed me in such a visceral way how much of my identity was still very 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 much wrapped up in Mm -hmm. what I do who I am in the world how people see me how I can show up Mm -hmm. um and it's just been this invitation to remember the truth like Mm -hmm. you know I didn't sleep for almost two I mean two months essentially I was getting like an hour and a half a night which makes you insane I felt crazy you feel broken again I felt like what is wrong with me like there was the epitome of broken truly and I had so much PTSD of when I had my nervous breakdown seven years ago when I stopped sleeping of what had happened and I just it was so traumatic Mm. and so scary and I felt so hopeless and I felt brought back to so many of those visceral painful feelings that Mm. I felt before um and there was just a lot more healing to do Mm. I mean it's wild too like I'm I'm sleeping better than I have my since I can remember which that in and of itself is huge because nothing else can actually truly heal if you're not sleeping you know Mm because everything gets affected Mm -hmm. by that but also I think what it did is it showed me I have this like community of friends who are just we are all just mirrors to each other and they the people that leaned in so hard yeah when I had nothing to give them and that just kept reminding me of the truth over and over and like my best friend Amber I mean I went and stayed with her and her husband for like Mm. two two and a half weeks and they were going through their own hard things Mm. and like the way they showed up for me I will never Micah He's had his own stuff and her husband and um, the bond that we, that grew Mm. in that time of that knowing was the most precious and some things fell away that, and it was painful. It is still painful. And I'm just trying to learn to like have a lot of grace and let things go Um, because what's supposed to be here is and what is, is meant to be. Mm. Um, 
So it's just been this like really important, painful letting go mm-hmm. and remembering. Like as simple as that sounds, that's what yeah yeah it is. Yeah, it's a lot of. Uh, I have not read the book, which I'm excited to read. Uh, you said it earlier, but the radical acceptance. Yeah. What do you say to somebody that is saying to themselves, "Yeah, radical acceptance feels good and great in theory, but if I accept the here and now, I'm afraid that things will never change." Mm-hmm. And I don't want to live the way that things are living. That's what's so counterintuitive. Because until you accept it, nothing yeah. will change. ever change. Yeah. Like, it can't. Yeah. Like, we live our lives as we live our day-to-days. And if you're continuing with the same, I have to remind myself this all the free. I can mm-hmm. so go back to old ways so yeah. quickly. Yeah. It's wild. Like, when I stopped sleeping again, I started eating my feelings again so hard. Because <laughs> that's my coping yeah. mechanism. Yeah. And I'm trying not to shame myself for it because it's like I was taught that and that was what I've used to like comfort myself when trauma has happened and but it doesn't serve me and so unless I become conscious and aware and like let go nothing will ever change and so it is the wildest counterintuitive it feels Mm -hmm. so opposite of um, what you think Mm because by like damning it and denying it and being like, I can't accept that. It makes it Mm. so much. Yeah. You're, it grows Mm -hmm. and it, the healing can't happen in that space. Only radical acceptance of the now, like that's, that felt so crazy to radically accept my pain Mm -hmm. for what it is right now. Mm -hmm. But then trusting that by doing that, Mm -hmm. I can release it. Yeah. I I find that like, that my journey into radical acceptance was, so, it was, and I asked that question because I know I've had so many different um, dialogues with people like, Caleb, you're, you're telling me to accept this, like what, it's never going to go away, like I have to like live with it forever. And I'm like, no, because it's actually through the journey of radical acceptance that you deal with the fear of things never changing. Yeah. And when you remove the fear, inevitably things will change yeah. right? because your life is no longer being driven by fear. Now you're in a, an alignment in a flow state. And now things will actually begin to change. And it is such a shift in paradigm. It is. And it's magnetic. It is. Like perspective shifts. Like I, you see what you're looking for. So if I go to a thing and I think everyone's going to be the fucking worst and (laughs) they're they're all going to be the worst. They are absolutely. absolutely, And I'm drawing that energy. Like, but if I go in and like, I want to be love and light and everyone Mm. in the space is love and light. And I'm looking for the goodness. Like it changes everything. And then also because of the law of attraction, when we put that out, like you are magnetically drawing in like-minded people and, you know, people that aren't able to get out of their stuck mentality. Like if Mm. someone grew up in a abusive home with an abusive dad and they find themselves in abusive relationship after abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. it's the subconscious driving by accepting what happened and mourning and working through the stuff with your dad. All of a sudden Mm. you're going to be at a higher vibration at a higher level of consciousness and Mm. awakenness. And you're going to start drawing in. You're not going to put up with some asshole right. that wants to treat you, you would right. never let that happen again, mm. but you can't get there. And without accepting and loving and going in and like yeah. taking care of that little and accepting and loving as crazy as it sounds like the people that have hurt us. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to let them in your lives. That doesn't mean there's you do not with boundaries. boundaries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, we love there are people that I love <laughs> and accept that I will not let Good. in my life. Yeah. yeah. 
So good. Yeah. But I'm not holding anger Amen. like that bitterness and anger just hurts me. me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You and know? and you loving them is actually setting that boundary. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's freedom. Mm-hmm. That's for me. I'm selfishly doing that. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. freedom yeah. for me. So they don't have any ties to me anymore. I've yeah. cut like I'll do be- <laughs> I'll do these weird woo-woo uh <laughs> meditations where I'll cover myself in love, like I'll connect to Mother Earth and Father Sky and I'll cover myself in this pink light and then I'll see the people that I feel mm. especially after I do these like journal speak moments yeah. that have caused pain and hurt and trauma in my life and I'll see a cord connecting us mm-hmm. and I will literally like from that centered place of that love I've covered myself in I blow because I'm weird I'll like literally imagine myself blowing mm-hmm. love covering yeah. them from head to toe mm-hmm. I'll speak truth of their worthiness and their love and their goodness yeah. and then I will imagine that cord and I will cut it like I will literally like yeah. cut so through good. the air and sometimes I'll hand them back their pain Mm. and I'll say, this was never mine to take. And sometimes I'll take my pain back from them. Mm. Like I've done that with my ex before. Like I kept giving you my pain, wanting Mm. you to fix it. And that was never yours to take. And I apologize and I take my pain back. And yeah, it's been that practice you don't have to have those people in your life. Right. Right. (laughs) But like there is something so like, um, shifting Mm. that happens when you cover these people in love and sometimes I have to do it every day for a long time and then all of a sudden I don't need to do that anymore I don't feel the weight that I did they don't Mm. carry that I don't I'm not carrying that pain or that hurt or that anger like I was Mm. before but it again it's a practice and it's hard Mm. it doesn't just happen it doesn't just happen it's all a practice yeah so good. I love what you said too about when you reference like eating your feelings, because I think it's really interesting as we get into the conversations around healing. So many people think of the symptoms and they think that's what I need to heal. So I need to fix my emotional eating or I need to fix my, I'm not sleeping. Anger. I need yeah. to fix my sleep. Yep. And if I fix my sleep, then yep. we, you know, we place the expectation on the outcome. And I think what's so powerful about your story and what you're sharing is that it really gets into the actual healing work. Totally. Like, like how those do you go? Symptoms. Yeah, they're just symptoms. Yeah. And fixing those is never going to fix the actual That's right. problem. That's right. I love the book that you gave me years ago, um, uh, Women, Food, and God. Oh, I and that. I had it for years and like would open it, but yeah. never really dug in mm. until this last season. Ugh. And it is such about embodiment, about how we are trying to stuff ourselves, whatever it is. Mm. Like for oftentimes with women, it, it's it's around food, but yeah. there's so many easy buttons that we have to yeah. numb. It's such a reflection of how we see our inherent worthiness and how we see God and yeah. how we see our place in the universe and that we know that we are enough mm-hmm. without these things to like, I mean, it is so profound mm. in such a simple way, yeah. but so freaking profound Mm. and it goes to the deeper levels of like this isn't about food yeah I was we were actually on the car ride over I was talking to Caleb a little bit about just some of my story that I feel like will come out eventually around food and body and all of it and I was saying it's so it feels like a complicated conversation because it actually has nothing to do with being skinny yep or being something it's it's a 
a hatred towards the body and towards the self. And if everything else feels wrong, it makes sense to, to punish the body. Yeah. So yeah, that's such a good book. The problem is never the problem. It's the problem behind the problem. Yeah. 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 Asking those questions. Mm -hmm. Getting really curious. Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful. I don't know if that was innate in me or if it was just Mm -hmm. like you reach this pinnacle of so quote unquote success. And it's like, I missed something somewhere, and then yeah. I'm so glad my response was, A, I drank a shit ton, but <laughs> my response was to get curious and being like, yeah. what did I miss? Yeah. Like, wait, what's going on here? Do you feel like you had people who really helped you ask those questions along the way? Because we say a lot, we, we are wounded in relationships, but relationships are also the place we get to heal. Do you feel like in, in your journey, relationships have been pivotal in helping you ask the right questions? Yeah, I mean, I think that's been a growing thing because it's also kind of what we were saying earlier. The deeper you go, you mm. start drawing, Yeah, you know, so there's people that in the last years and honestly, one of my soul family members, um, we've been best friends since we were 17 and she's been with me through all of the things. And I've been able to ask really hard questions and she'll ask really hard questions mm. of me. And so I have really been so blessed. And then there's people that are on similar journeys and there's that have been um, real enlightening beings for me. Like, I mean, Jed, I don't mm-hmm. understand. Like he makes me think about things that I would never think about, or he'll put things in a perspective that I'm like, I feel that. And I never would have known to put it to words or you yeah. just explained mm-hmm. my heart in a situation that I, I have never articulated before ever, but it's been yeah. swimming up there. Um, he, I mean, expands me and grows me mm-hmm. in ways that are pretty next level. And he's not afraid when I will speak something that I will speak about as like utter complete truth to like, be like, really? Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is so brave. And yeah. he just yeah. easily does that. And I'm never offended by it. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, oh, right. Like, or I'll just make a snap judgment about someone. And be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that that's what that was about. Or I don't think that's what they were. Because I'm seeing yeah. it through my yeah. Yeah. lens of trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I, I judge people to the level that I'm judging myself. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in a, like, really unhealthy um, shameful place, I'm way more critical of everyone around me, mm-hmm. you know? So it's so easy to place these just mm-hmm. broad overview statements on people who are like, you don't have a freaking clue. Yeah. yeah. You don't know. Yeah. You have no idea. So um, yeah. we're almost okay. at an hour. Wow. Wow. We'll wrap this up. But we last question is, I know, <laughs> me too. uh, everything that you've said, obviously it's, you've had to really shift paradigms, right? Yeah. Um, so what do you say to somebody out there that is hearing what you're saying and they're like, okay, you're right. My story owns me. I need to do the work to own my story to say what Brene Brown says so I can write a brand new ending. Mm-hmm. Um, where do I start? Um, that's such a sweet question. I think if someone were to ask me that at first off, like look them in the eye and be like, I am so sorry yeah. for whatever painful thing that you've lived through. That is so hard and I it's not to be dismissed or to be overlooked um and then I would just remind them that they're so deserving of this work because I love what they say at on site like it's not about what's wrong with you it's about what's so right with you and when you go in even though it seems like the scariest most painful thing ever you're actually 
getting to rewire your brain Mm -hmm. and to do like you're so deserving of that work to like bring that pain forward so it's not owning you Mm -hmm. anymore um but also I would say this is your timing like no one can do this for you I can't tell you it's your time like when you're ready when you're ready start asking questions and like they always say when you're (laughs) what is it when you're looking for the teacher or when you're yeah teacher shows or whatever whatever there's like it's way more articulate (laughs) (laughs) Um, ancient wisdom (laughs) but it's the truth like start when you're ready to take the test the teacher will show or something something like that that. (laughs) but it's so you know when you're ready Mm. no one can force it and no one outside of you can fix you like like we were saying earlier, mm-hmm. we're here just to illuminate what's already mm-hmm. inside of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This healing is in you. This it's love so is yours. This divinity lives inside of you. Mm-hmm. Like God, the creator of all things lives inside of you. Um, you don't need me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love all of that. And to piggyback, I remember when I first started this, my mentor who played such like massive role in my life, he was like, can I just honor you? Because it takes so much courage for you to even admit yeah. that you're you need to like own your story like let's just let's sit in this for a minute because yep. that's the strength that's going to carry you through the rest of this yeah. so yeah. if you ever in a million years think that you don't have what it takes to finish this journey mm. or to do the work and have that strength you're exhibiting it right now because yes. it takes strength and courage to admit that to yourself and to yes. other people and I just remember being like, okay, okay, like, right. okay. Yeah, the bravery of that is so yeah. big. It's like so brave. Yeah. It's so brave. Mm-hmm. And we're so deserving. Oh, it's awesome. God. Ruthie, thank you so much. When does the book come thank out? Thank y'all. April 21st. Yes. April 21st. So, so excited. Yes. And you, you can pre-order it now. Okay. Um, Where? Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. called Great. There I Am, The Journey from Hopelessness to Healing. Amazing. And we'll have this in our notes. But yes. where can people find you? Um. You can go to my website and just sign up for my mailing list where I'll send out um, fun little things. I won't blow you up. It's www.ruthielindsey.com. And then on Instagram, I am at Ruthie Lindsay. And on Facebook, I think it's Ruthie Lindsay Speaker. Awesome. Amazing. So. Very yeah. cool. Oh, and um, the Unspoken Podcast. Yes. yes. Miles. So yes. good. Yeah. So good. Just been amazing for me. So Thank you. Thank, thank you again. Thank so you for spending much. this time I'm with so us. I'm so appreciative. Y'all are amazing. You. I love you too. I've got the heart of a healer.